All right, welcome back to episode five of the Lobby Good Works podcast. And as a reminder, this is the podcast where we profile um, cool, interesting people doing cool, interesting things in the nonprofit uh, sector all throughout the state. And today we have a great guest that you're going to love listening to. It's my friend, Missy Andrade. Missy, welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Glad you are here and glad you're doing everything you're doing around the state. Um, For those of you that don't know, Missy is the CIO of the Boys and Girls Club of Louisiana. And you may think CIO is some type of tech or whatever. No, it's the Chief Impact Officer. That is a cool title. Yeah, you know, we went back and forth about what it was going to be. Um, And you're right. Most people think Chief Information Officer, right? right? Uh, But Chief Impact Officers are uh, growing in popularity with nonprofits across the country. And um, for us, in our case, this is a newly formed 501c3. I'm going to be working with all of the Boys and Girls Clubs across the state. They are not reporting to me, okay? So I am not their their boss. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm working alongside them to deepen and broaden our impact across Louisiana. So it seemed appropriate like to go it. with Chief Impact Officer. That's a lot of pressure. You show up kind of like sleepy or not on your A-game. I mean, come on. you got to make an impact every single day. That's a lot of pressure. Though. Every day. There is so much work to be done across Louisiana for youth, Um and we're doing great things, but there's just so many more kids to reach, so many more communities to serve. And I look forward to helping all of our clubs figure out how to do that. And we're going to talk about that need and that impact and how you are doing that in a second. But for, first, tell us a little bit about you. You know, where you're from, who's your mama, all that good yes. stuff that Louisianans like to know about someone. Okay. Well, uh, in Lafayette, people still mostly know me as Missy Bienvenue. Oh, so Missy Bienvenue. You, you said Andrade, yeah. and, and uh, that is my husband's last name. But Um, Most people still call me Missy Bienvenue in Lafayette. I have deep roots in Acadiana with a last name like Bienvenue. Absolutely. You have to. It's kind of a given. Um, So I grew up in Lafayette. Uh, My mom's family grew up in St. Landry Parish. My dad's family is from St. Martin Parish. Um, And I I actually come from a family of physicians. So my grandfathers were doctors. My dad's a doctor. My brother's a doctor. Uh, I was a pharmaceutical rep for a period of time. tell you about that in a second, but um, (laughs) I have very deep roots in Acadiana and being able to go to work every single day to help kids in my own community has really been a very gratifying uh, opportunity that I just never really expected to fall into. But I was educated in Lafayette, um, literally, you know, pre-K through middle school, high school, college. I'm, I'm one of the most Lafayette people you're probably ever so you're going full to meet. you're raging Cajun to the core. I am. I was a Mardi Gras queen and everything. I mean, just, you know, across my forehead, I feel like I just, <laughs> I, I, I read Lafayette. You should have a fleur de lis like right there on the forehead. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Um, I actually went to uh, the university, studied Latin American history and Spanish. Thought maybe I wanted to do like international law. Right. Um, but then I had friends who went to law school, and I said, okay, no thanks. I'm, I'm good. I don't have to do that. Uh, but my path actually did um, – there were two things. Dance. I, I danced my entire life and worked for a company out of Memphis doing a lot of international um, instruction for them. Um, and then I did, uh, at the tail end of college, right after college, do some homegrown kind of medical sales type work, which led me into the pharmaceutical sales path. Uh, loved it taught me a lot about the fundamentals of sales. It was an industry that, it was the industry that raised me. So I was often in doctor's offices across the state where people said, oh, your grandfather delivered me, or they had some weird story about, um, you know, one of my my grandfathers caring for them. So it was a a fun thing to be a part of. I learned a lot. Um, It's a tumultuous industry. 
similar to kind of oil and gas, the ups and yeah. downs can be a little unpredictable. So when I had the opportunity to make a career shift, my father, a physician, was very much in favor of that. He, he was ready to see me get out of that world. And I landed at the Greater Lafayette Chamber of Commerce as the membership director. If I figured if I could sell blood pressure, diabetes, and cholesterol meds, I could sell a chamber membership. Yeah, right? and, you're, and you're Acadiana to the core. So exactly. when you're going out and promoting the region that you know so well, you love and all that stuff, it kind of is a natural fit. That makes yes. sense. Uh, and so it was a whole lot more fun to sell the chamber side of things and helping people promote their businesses. And when I took that role, um, the board leadership was on the cusp of transforming that organization into what became One Acadiana. And so uh, I... The dawn of the Okubi era. <laughs> Uh, Jason Elkubi, uh, <laughs> a friend and mentor. I Jason feel, and Allison are both great people. I know. We, I feel we so We miss fortunate. them dearly. Virginia's lucky to have them. You're right. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I was the last employee hired at the Greater Lafayette Chamber of Commerce, and six months later, Jason Elkubi became my boss. Um, and and I, I just think that is, that's a gift. I was given such oh, an awesome 100%. person. Thoughtful, smart, cerebral, yes. hardworking, everything you want to see in a leader, he had it. Absolutely. Absolutely. He still does. He does. I learned a lot from him, and, and, and I try and emulate, you know, WWJD, what would Jason do? Often. <laughs> Often. My spreadsheets look like his. A dashboard, a good dashboard, all comes from Jason Okubi. Now, he, he and Maury had that spreadsheet McKenzie thing going. And, you know, when I used to work with them back in the day, I was a little bit more shoot from the hip type. But I, I, I admired them for being the spreadsheet guys. I mm-hmm. just could never be that person. So you're a spreadsheet person. Um, I try and be right. a spreadsheet okay. person. Okay, well, it's good to have goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, so I, uh, I was in that world, in the one Acadiana world, um, um, for about five years, and it was at that point in time that um, some of our investor companies who were actively involved in boys and girls clubs approached me and said, we really want you to consider coming on board with boys and girls clubs of Acadiana. Um, we feel like the organization has a lot of potential. It just needs the right leader to rebuild and go. And for a number of months, I said, no, I did not, in my mind, I did not want to go and run a nonprofit. Um And then little by little, it kind of chipped away at me. Uh, A big life event in our uh, family four years ago. I have three brothers, and one of them was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor. Mm. He's doing well. Uh, But at that moment, you you have that kind of perspective shift. That's right. What do I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? Time is finite. Do I want to stay where I am? and continue doing what I'm doing or do I want to challenge myself and spread my wings a little bit and go cut my teeth and do something new. And so it was really that. I knew I could join an organization uh, with a great board. I knew there was opportunity to grow and improve. And the mission of Boys and Girls Clubs is so straightforward um, that I ultimately said, all right, let's do this. I'll take a risk and go into a space that I've never really been in before Um, But I I knew that I had a great board team surrounding me who was ready to empower me to do great things there. It's funny that impact side, because if if you think back, and I'm just guessing here to your chamber years under Okubi, you know, if you're in a chamber, you know, we're the state chamber. One of Kadiana is a a great local chamber. Um, If you're in a chamber, you get into this mindset of you're, you're promoted. You're trying to make an impact. You are literally trying to make a change in your community or your state. You get very cause driven working in there and it gets addictive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's much different than bringing in a typical private sector enterprise where the name of the game is what's the monthly, you know, expenses and cost and all that stuff. When you're in a chamber enterprise, 
every day you wake up, like, how do I change people's lives? And it's, it, it can be addictive and intoxicating. So it doesn't surprise me that you were drawn to that because um, El Kubi kind of led in that same manner. You know? Well, and one of the, the greatest things about Jason as a leader um, is that, you know, he took that role when he was pretty young. I forget how old he was, but, you know, in his mid-30s and was very open with us as a staff that he was still growing and changing as a yeah. leader. It was the first time I'd worked for someone who um, – who really talked openly about growth and wanted the staff to continue growing and evolving as professionals and as people. Um, and, you know, a lot of times in business, you're fearful to ever say, I want to leave or I want to do more. Right. That, that's a real interesting culture to be a part of. Uh, and so Jason really planted that seed. And, and I've brought that to Boys and Girls Clubs, always wanting to ensure that, of course, we're investing in our kids, but how are we helping our staff grow so that they can spread their wings and go somewhere and make a difference, um, you know, outside of, of our roof. It doesn't all have to be Boys and Girls Clubs. There's so much to be done. I want you to have a wonderful employment experience with us and then have the courage to go out and do great things wherever life takes you. So let's let's talk about Boys and Girls Clubs because, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe they've seen a commercial, maybe they've heard about it or whatever, but they don't really know what exactly are the, what's the programmatic approach? What is the exact, exact template of what Boys and Girls Clubs do? So give me the elevator pitch on what you all do to make an impact. So Boys and Girls Clubs is an after school and summer program. Um, kids are physically coming to our facilities or we are physically going to um, a school site, for instance, to run these types of programs. So that's one major difference I talk to people about all the time because there's lots of different mentorship programs that exist, but this is a consistent physical space where they are going every single day. And the mission of Boys and Girls Clubs is straightforward. It's simple. It's to enable um, all youth, especially those who need us most, to become productive, caring, and responsible citizens. Wide open. Um, so what does that really mean? Well, when kids come to us every day, uh, number one, it's safe right? They can count on us. It's structured. They have trusted adults and mentors who are there. Um, it is fun. Okay. So they get to And just, real quick, let me ask you, those, those um, mentors and adults there, those are volunteers, those are employees, a mixture of both. Who are those people? It's mostly employees, mostly employees. And uh, many of our organizations have um, a wonderful AmeriCorps grant that allows us to mm -hmm. put AmeriCorps members alongside our youth development professionals. We supplement with volunteers, but that is one of the different differentiating factors with Boys and Girls Clubs. It is paid staff trained the Boys and Girls Club way every single day. Mm -hmm. um, so when they come to us, uh, they have to be a registered member. So they type in their, their membership number, just like you would if you went to the gym or, or wherever you're a member. Um, our kids get a meal at no cost to them every single day. And then something I tell everyone, if you know nothing about Boys and Girls Clubs, there are three primary outcomes that we are constantly kind of gearing all of our programs towards academic success, good character and citizenship and healthy lifestyles. So before I took this job, I just thought the Boys and Girls Club was a place that kids went to hang out. Mm -hmm. And there is that element of hanging out and being a kid. But what I know now and, and what I appreciate so much about what we do and why we can be difference makers is because all of our programs point to those three things. We want kids to graduate high school with a plan, whether that's going to a four-year institution, getting a certification of some sort, military, whatever it means, what's your plan? On the good character and citizenship side, we want to instill the right leadership qualities in these kids, give them responsibilities within their clubs, and give them opportunities 
to give back to their uh, to the place they call home. And on the healthy lifestyles front, yes, that's you know playing basketball and rec and all of that fun stuff. But that's also partnering with LSU Ag or the Junior League to talk about healthy food or to do healthy you know cooking classes, whatever that may be, um, because we want all of our kids, no matter where they are to have what they need to define the next chapter of their life. Um, our clubs are open daily from about three to seven. Um, kids between the ages of six and 18 are the ones who come to our clubs. Um, and then during the do, summer- Do most of them show up voluntarily? Is it their parents saying, you're gonna go there and you're gonna like it? Is it a referral from a school? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do kids show up? It's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, sometimes, depending on the community, uh, you have a club within a neighborhood that's, you know, walking distance for kids. Um, and those kids just choose to show up on their own. I hear from kids all the time, my mom made me go, but I'm so happy that she did, mm-hmm. you know, because of whatever they got out of it. Um, we do try and establish relationships within our schools with counselors and principals to remove any barriers um, to the kids getting to the club, whether that's transportation or whatever it may be. We want people encouraging them to join the club. Um, so it looks different everywhere. How we recruit um, is different within each region. Acadiana, Metro, which is Baton Rouge, and New Orleans, North Louisiana, and Shreveport. If if these clubs are in school sites, like in East Baton Rouge Parish, well, clearly you're recruiting from within that school. But in Acadiana, where all of the sites are freestanding, you got kids from 10, 12 right. schools showing up via bus, walking, parents, whatever, every single day knowing that they're coming to have a great time at the club. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a need that, you know, most listeners who are listening to this right now, they're probably thinking of, well, when they used to get off school, mom or dad would pick them up. There'd be snacks in the pantry. They would have a parent looking over their shoulder on homework or check-in or whatever, and that was a luxury many folks have. But in Louisiana, with some of the poverty rates we have and some of the um, high, high levels uh, of, of single-parent households and others, you have a lot of kids who don't have that. They're coming home to um, unsafe environments. They're coming home to environments where there's not ample snacks in the pantry, and they don't have maybe that mentor in their household or in their neighborhood. So this is such a life-saving device to give to some of those kids. Um, talk about some of the need you see walking in your door and what that looks like. So some of the um, statistics you just referenced are, uh, I mean, widely popular throughout our clubs. You know, our, our clubs exist for all kids, but when you really dig into the data, um, we clearly serve uh, a specific population. The vast majority of our kids live in a single-parent, non-traditional household. And in most cases, that's with mom and grandmother. And the the gap there is about that adult role, um, male role model, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we hear that a lot from our kids that like they're missing um, a man in the house at home. And so they, they come to our clubs seeking to find a male mentor. Um, the vast majority of our kids, probably 88% uh, live at or below the poverty line. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mentioned meals. The meals in our clubs, for a lot of our kids, that is dinner. For some of them, right. they're going to leave and go home, and maybe mom is going to have some other food for them. But for many of them, the parent is counting on that meal to feed them because either they're working a whole bunch of jobs and don't have the ability to make dinner, or they can't afford it. Right. Um, and uh, the other side of kind of our demographics, about 80% of the kids who attend clubs in the state of Louisiana are black. Um, 
there's a small segment uh, of, you know, Hispanic and Asian club members uh, and probably, you know, 12 or so percent uh, that are Caucasian. But I tell people all the time, anyone can be a member of the club, but it is telling uh, for those people who do seek out the Boys and Girls Club and really seek out what we do, um, they're struggling on many fronts in their life. Uh, it doesn't all look exactly the same, but those parents and or those kids, uh, they're coming to us with a number of, of gaps, whether it's food, whether it's poverty, education, whatever it may be. Um, they're coming to the Boys and Girls Club to try and fill that. And so you know, you can't be all things to all people. However, we offer a really well-rounded program that can meet the kids where they are and fill in those gaps, uh, depending on what it is that they need. I mean, it's inspiring what y'all are offering, but it's also sad and tragic that the need is sometimes so simple. Um, you know, a meal, mm-hmm. um, a, a positive male influence. I mean, it's, it's sad that how big a difference that can make. I, I've mentioned a couple times in this podcast before, just my own personal frame of reference. I'm on a board of a school called Crystal Ray here. We have a lot of children that come in and they're seeking that positive male mentor relationship. And when, when you, when you can provide that to them, it's just amazing how you can see their eyes open and their, and their outlook broaden almost instantly. Mm -hmm. People are always wanting to get involved with boys and girls clubs and COVID has been, uh, it's been complex as you can imagine. We shut down all volunteers, um, and, and kept our clubs open to only staff and kids, you know, to keep them healthy. Uh, but when, when people say, I want to help, what can I do? Well, of course, there's always the financial side, right? Because we keep our fees virtually nothing for our kids and families so that they don't have money as a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I tell people is uh, the gift of your time coming in and just telling, you know, sitting down with a kid or a group of kids and telling them who you are and what you do and just pouring into them your own life experiences is sometimes the most valuable thing that, that you can actually provide. And it's very simple. It's a conversation. The kids light up whenever people come into our clubs and take the time to talk to them and get to know them. And it's funny, they'll ask them like, well, how much money do you make? And well, how long did you have to go to school? But for many of them, they don't have people in those their lives. Those are the right questions. Yeah, they don't have people in their lives that yeah. they can ask those questions to, and they're curious for the right reasons. So that, I tell people that all the time. My 14-year-old is asking the same questions right now. That, 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 is, a, they that is a normal question for, for a kid to ask. Yeah. And for many of them, you know, they don't know. Maybe they don't have a doctor in their family or a lawyer in their family or a banker or a real estate agent, whatever it is. Just coming in and saying, you know, I sell houses – for some of our kids, that's going to like blow their mind. They they don't own a home. Maybe no one in their family owns a home. Yeah. What do you mean you sell houses? So giving kids just that that time to let them know who you are, how you got there, and, and leaving them with that little bit of confidence that you can do this too. Uh, and so you said something a moment ago about like the the sadness about the need, right? You look at the statistics, the numbers, and you're like, it feels like such a heavy problem. I look at our our public school system across the state and I have a lot of mixed emotions, but mostly I just feel like how do you fix such a complex issue? But are you about to give us the plan to fix? I have all the answers. Oh my God, this is going to be a better podcast (laughs) than I even envisioned. Right. Uh, I wish I had all the answers. I don't. But what I do know is that if we're ever going to look different as a state, I personally believe, um, we have to do more to give those kids, our kids, the tools 
to build a life that looks different than the life they live now. 100%. And that is truly, that is education. It's workforce development. And in my experience, it's exposure to what's even possible. And, and, and the good news is, I, I firmly agree with you, the, the good news is when you talk to employers, and I don't care what industry they're in, healthcare, farming, retail, whatever, um, they pretty much say, you give me someone who can read and write and stay off drugs and have good soft skills, mm-hmm. and I can make it work for them. Yeah. I can do the training. They no longer need a bunch of complicated degrees on the wall. For, for I mean, what they need is someone who they can depend on mm-hmm. and who knows how to work as a part of a team. And the skills that y'all are giving these kids, I mean, that puts them in a great starting point for Agreed. a career. Well, and something really interesting happened during COVID. Backing up, we did shut our clubs down whenever the governor uh, issued the stay-at-home order. So our clubs shut down, and we did a few things. We sort of, you know, uh, built a, a call tree for all of our families. We kind of refocused our staff. We wanted them to talk to our families about, well, do you have enough food? Do you have access to internet? All of these different things. We launched a, a virtual platform so that the kids could continue engaging with their peers and with their staff members from home. So everyone got real comfortable with Zoom real fast. Um, and then the other thing we did was uh, worked with the 3 o'clock project out of Baton Rouge to stand up a number of meal distribution uh, sites in Acadiana. That's great. Um, it was amazing. It was also kind of sad because you're like, Really, people need food this badly and yeah. don't have a, a way to get it. It was it was rough. Um, when we finally reopened our clubs, we had to do it to modified numbers, right? For the first time ever, we weren't just telling families, sign your kid up, come when you can. No, it was like we can only have this many kids per club. We had to try and, and figure out how do you prioritize those families? Who really needs this more than this family? It was a funky place to be in. Yeah, it's tough. But what we saw, interestingly enough, was this big uptick in teen population, like our teen membership grew. And when we started trying to put our finger on, like, why? Our our teens who had been members of the club were actively recruiting their friends to come and join them. So, look, we could scream from the rooftops forever, come to the Boys and Girls Club. But it, it you took— You got ambassadors now. Exactly. It took these kids who were saying, look, you need to come here. And, and perhaps the selling point was like— well, they're going to feed you and you get to play basketball. But another big point of that was like they wanted to learn how to write a resume. They wanted to um, have almost kind of like a, a career fair. These kids are, I do believe they want more than what they currently have if you can show them that. And they were really looking to the club to help them figure that out. Um, I thought it was when awesome. When a CIO hears that, they're like, that's an impact there right there, go. man. That is an impact. Good job. Good for you. Okay, so – um, a couple things. One, you mentioned it, it makes a big difference when people come in, spend some time, help be that mentor relationship. Let's talk what that really looks like. If, if someone's out there listening, if there's a business leader or someone who says, hey, I want to do, do my part, what exactly are you looking for? And how does someone reach out to their local boys and girls clubs? Say, hey, I'd like to come in and, and, and volunteer some time there. Mm-hmm. So right now, uh, I, I mentioned this, I'm eight days into my new job with boys and girls clubs mm-hmm. in Louisiana. So there's a lot to be figured out. Sure. So right now, every region is going to have their own way that they that they do that. And they're also going to have their own needs. Um, but I think the easiest thing to do would be to go to each individual website. If you're in Acadiana or Baton Rouge, New Orleans, North Louisiana, you can go. And there's usually some volunteer opportunities that are, are out there. 
But kind of flipping the script a little bit, I would encourage people to talk to the CEO of those local organizations or call me and say, one of the most powerful things you can do is tell me what it is that your skill set or your expertise is. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Stephen, I know what your job is. Most kids are going to have no clue what a chamber of commerce is. Half, I the, didn't. Ti- half the time, I don't know what it is, well, to be honest. I got employed <laughs> by one, and I was like, what is this? Um, but understanding, okay, what do you want to share with these kids? Mm-hmm. Um so that we can figure out what the right fit is. It doesn't have to be overly complex, but I think that's kind of the the, the best um, first step is either come talk to me or connect locally with your CEO to say, here's who I am and here's what I want. So if do. someone Googles their local Boys and Girls Club, they'll, they'll, each of them have their own website where you can Correct. kind of find the right contact. Correct. Okay. Or Boys and Girls Clubs in Louisiana, which is bgcla.org. bgcla.org. Yeah, right. it has all of their information on there. Um, and in this new role for me, part of what I'm doing is is fundraising for everyone across the board. Okay, we want to be able to do more together. Um, I'm also going to be spending time uh, as a um, kind of an attendee of all of their board meetings to get a better understanding of how are we all doing business? Are there some opportunities for shared services? For a question like this about volunteerism, though our needs are all different, the mechanism to bring that together doesn't have to be all different. And so those are the types of things that we're going to explore particularly for like a statewide employer, if they say we're really interested in supporting clubs across the state because we have a presence in all of these communities, rather than sending that company out to figure out how to do that four different ways, I'll be able to help work with the local organizations to say, how can we do this in a a consistent way so that it makes it easier for businesses to do business with Boys and Girls Clubs? Excellent. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, let's say someone says, okay, I don't have the volunteer time or whatever, but I, I love what you're doing. How do I financially support? Same mm-hmm. thing, go to the local website, mm-hmm. go to the state website. What's, what's the way to do that? Yeah, same thing. So uh, from a funding standpoint, um, number one, we want our local clubs to be supported. So if, if you're a company and you're already supporting the Boys and Girls Clubs in North Louisiana, I'm going to encourage you to continue doing that. If you're interested in something above and beyond, or as I mentioned, you're a statewide employer and you're looking to do something um, kind of with a broader stroke, that's where Boys and Girls Clubs in Louisiana can come in and help to do that. Um, What I tell people all the time, one of the the greatest things you can do is go tour a club, and that is something that I can help you with, and that's something that, of course, our local CEOs could assist with as well. Um, But I think once you go into one of our clubs, you take the opportunity to tour. I like to get the kids to do the tour so they can tell you this is my favorite room and this is why. (laughs) This is my favorite, um, you know, mentor and this is why. Um, To to see the club through their eyes, people are constantly blown away. What I hear all the time is I had no idea that this is what y'all did. I just thought this was a place kids came to play basketball. Right. Um, And so – if you're thinking about a contribution to the organization, number one, I encourage you to do it. Number two, go see it. Go be a part of it. Go walk around and, and watch the magic happen um, because it happens every day. And the more those kids come, the, the more regular they're attending, the better outcomes they're going to have. The more likely they are to graduate from high school, the more likely they are um, to have a plan, to have a, an idea of what they want to do professionally. Um, and the only way we can do that is when people are supporting the organization. And I know as a statewide group, you can't pick amongst your favorite locations. They're all your favorite, I'm sure. But didn't y'all recently open one the last year or so in the Southwest region, kind of in the, the hurricane impacted areas? Yep. 
Um, we've had Mayor Hunter on here before uh, for a different podcast, and you know we've been in contact with maybe our business in that region. There's still a lot of you know tough work to do there. Talk a little bit about that experience, if you don't mind. Yep. So backing up to 2019, mm-hmm. um, we had uh, the good fortune of visiting with um, Laura Farrell and the team at Chenier Energy. We went to their their office in Houston. Great company. Awesome yeah. company. Um, they were looking to invest in a project in southwest Louisiana, and the community of Lake Charles had been asking for a club. They had one years ago. It went away, and they had been asking for a club. And it all kind of came together, uh, number one, with Chenier, and then with Mayor Hunter coming up right behind Chenier and saying, if they're going to invest in this, the city will invest not only into the operation, but we're going to give you guys a building in a census tract that meets uh, kind of the criteria for what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. A ton of single moms, a ton of high volume kids and schools and everything right there. So on January 11th, 2020, we did a check presentation with Chenier, made this announcement. We're going to bring the Chenier Energy Club to Lake Charles. Amazing, right? And then COVID and then Hurricane Laura and then Hurricane Delta and then a freeze. Uh, we were really trying to figure out like, how, how do we rework this timeline? But really what ended up happening is um, the need, it's not like the need was going away. It was actually getting a whole lot worse. Yeah. And so uh, the city prioritized getting our building, which is a former rec center, up and running, um, cleaning up that property. And so we were able on uh, exactly one year and one day later to open the doors of the Chenier Energy Club in Lake Charles. So this past January, um, obviously it had been in the works, but Magical. Magical in part because uh, there are just so many kids in that community who are reeling and have had such a traumatic year. They needed a place to call home. They needed that daily support. They needed that homework help. We, we recognized very quickly that though literacy is a problem across the state, mm-hmm. our kids who were coming to our Lake Charles Club were especially behind. Right. And so we've made some additional investments to try and close that gap. But Mayor Hunter has been incredible to work with, his entire team. Um, the, the community of Lake Charles has been so supportive. And the question is now, okay, when do we open another club? Or when do we open a teen-focused site there? Um, because there's a pretty big gap in youth services in that community. Um, there's some great providers, but I'm talking from a volume standpoint. There's just so many kids that need help and not enough yeah. hands to help. Um, so it's been, uh, you know, one of the biggest wins as as my kind of CEO tenure um, at Boys and Girls Clubs of Acadiana was getting that over the line. Um, and then right now we're actually in talks to open a club in Natchitoches uh, around January 1st. Between Opelousas and Ruston, geographically, yep. there is nothing. There are no Boys and Girls Clubs in Alexandria, in Natchitoches, or any of the communities in Central Louisiana. There's a lot, of log, trucks. There's a a lot, lot of, of log trucks. A lot of log trucks. <laughs> yeah, a lot of wood and paper and things. But a ton of kids who need us. Um, and so now, you know, you could argue that any community in the state needs a club. Yeah. You really could. And we're doing some analysis right now uh, to look at some different criteria to say, well, who really needs us most? Who rises to the top? Um but we're trying to dev- to define how do we how do we do business how do we structure this in a way that um, can pull together local community leaders corporate business investment local foundations to make clubs more attainable and more sustainable across the state because we don't want to open one 
And then a year later, yeah, you we don't say, flash in the pan, and the yeah. community has a sour taste, and the people exactly. you're depending on. Yeah, exactly. So the The main takeaway is the need is apparent in Louisiana. The services y'all are providing um, absolutely are critical to what these kids need. And I think you're fulfilling your job description. I think the impact is being given. I mean, I think you can keep the title for at Thank least you. another day or two. You know, I I'm mean. eight days in. I still got a lot of impact that I need to make. But the, the great thing is that I have wonderful CEOs to work with awesome. in every region. They have great boards. Um, and so I'm kind of in this phase of listening. I don't have all of the answers. And every every region is a little different. So in the near future, my time is going to be spent understanding what they're doing, what their needs are, how can I support them in the right way? Um, you know, Jason, back to my, my buddy, Jason Okubi, used to say all ships rise with the rising tide, right? Mm-hmm. And so my, my goal in this new role is to be able to um, elevate what we do, identify more resources for all clubs so that all of us are being elevated and improved and, and that we're able to meet the need of more kids across the state. So if you're a kid um, looking for uh, a place after school to find um, a meal or some mentorship or some camaraderie, you go to the, go to the website. If you're a business looking to um, support either financially or with your, with your time and effort, go to the website. Mm-hmm. And what is that website again? www.bgcla.org. Awesome. And we will put that out on all of our social media channels. Well, that was our visit with um, Acadiana's finest former pageant queen, dance instructor, pharmaceutical salesperson, chamber exec, and now CIO, Chief Impact Officer of the Boys and Girls Club of Louisiana, Missy Bienvenue Andrade. Yes, thank you. It was wonderful being here. Glad to have you. And that was our uh, fifth edition of the Good Works Podcast. And stay tuned for next time when we profile the next um, uh, leader making an impact in many ways all across Louisiana. Thanks for listening.